Well, I'm a naturally selfish person. We kind of talked about this all through the month of December. I remember um, used to, back in the day, I had one day off during the week. I worked six days. That was uh, really before I was full-blown workaholic when I worked seven days a week. I, wore, I had one day off, and on that day off, no matter what, uh, this is back in the 90s, rain or shine, it could be torrential rain like we had the other day. I'm not joking. I would be on the golf course from the moment the sun came up until the sun went down. I would be out there just doing laps, doing laps, not running, playing golf all day long, no matter the weather, no matter what was going on with family or anything, that's what I did because I was a pretty selfish person, and that's why I did it. And I think most of us on some level kind of struggle with naturally being selfish. You know, we have, we have a good smell in the kitchen. We want to know what it is because we want to get ours, right? We want to get some of that. We want ours. Um, we enjoy being taken care of. We go to restaurants, and we want really good service. We want to be taken care of. It makes us feel nice. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel special. Naturally, I think we all kind of want our way, and I guess to some extent we want things the way we want them in our timing, the timing we want them. We just kind of want them our way. Um, we're not always, uh, uh, well, we're just kind of born that way. I've got a picture here. Here comes a picture of a baby. Here's one. Let's see. This is going to be a big one. Oh, this one right here. If I could just grab that child. I'm going to see if I can grab it. Did I get it? <laughs> no, I missed it. I probably, I probably did. When a baby is screaming and crying, you know what? They want what they want, and they want it right then. They don't care that it's disturbing you, do they? They don't care that, that you want to sleep, do they? They have no care that you're trying to sleep, that it's, that it's 3 o'clock in the morning or 1 o'clock in the morning. When they wake up, they want what they want, and they want it right then. You know what? That can happen in the church, too. That can sure happen in the church. It can be true for us as well. We have a tendency to want what we want, and we want it when we want it, and we want it how we want it. Now, last week, we talked about how Jesus has invited you and me to his table. He invited us to the table, and we talked about how he made room for us at his table. So we had a spot there. We had a place there at his table. And I'm just going to say that the very fact that you are here today, you are probably, we can number you among those who have claimed their spot at the table. They sat down with Jesus, metaphorically, at the table. We've answered that call. He made room for us. He made a spot for us. And we went and we joined him at the table. Along with all of these other folks too. And we've sat down with them at the table. And, that's that, and we, we kind of feast with them and do life with them. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the plan. That is normal according to God's plan. That's the way it is supposed to happen. But then a problem can occur. When years later, we're still at the table, sitting 
at the table. Wanting things the way we want them, when we want them, and how we want them. And all of that kind of screams something. You know what it screams? It screams this. This church is here for me. It's all about me. This church is all about me. And if that were not bad enough, there are some other folks who kind of take it to the extreme. And they're still, you know, wanting things the way they want them, when they want them, how they want them. But they take it to a whole nother level. These folks have also been in church for years and years and years. Interestingly enough, though, they're not really at the same table. So let's say we're at this table. They're not really at the same table. They're not even really in the same chairs. They, uh, they want mm, maybe some extra special service, some extra special attention. They've chosen not just to sit at a normal chair, you know, because often maybe they want to, perhaps they, they want to be seen by other people. Or maybe they want to be in a position where they can be served more frequently. Or maybe they want to be in a position, possibly for some, where they could maybe even look down at other people who are serving them. Sometimes they're just maybe a little higher than all the other people. Sometimes maybe they're just a little more special. But the seats they sit in don't look like the seats we're in. The seats they sit in look a lot more like this. <laughs> That's a little more accurate. And we call those a high chair, <laughs> which are clearly not designed for grown-ups, right? A high chair. The people we're talking about are not babies. They're not children. But years after they should have pushed away from the table and stood up and begun serving, they instead crawl up into one of these chairs. And they want people to serve them still. In fact, this is so interesting to me, they would really prefer it if someone would turn their back at the table where, where we say that, that God has a seat for everybody, that Jesus wants you at the table if you're searching for him. And this person would rather us turn our backs on that table and focus on this table and this chair. That's what they want. They, they are looking for people who, who would serve but they want to be served. That's what they want for them. They really don't care too much about this table back here. In fact, it probably just kind of gets in their way, honestly, having to mess with that or deal with that. One of the problems of being a fat man is trying, number one, trying to get your hands behind your back. <laughs> number two, trying to... Uh, tie on an apron. Number three, finding an apron that will go around you. Okay, we almost got it. Well, maybe not. We'll just pretend. 
it's certainly not going to wrap around. <laughs> I am out of luck. So, I'll just hang on to this. You can tell I've never been a... Is it a waiter nowadays? I don't know what they call them. Server? Yeah. I wouldn't be good at it. But this person has a desire for you to turn your back on the table, the people that need to be served, and to focus on them. So that's really where it breaks down. That's where things kind of go wrong. Instead of serving these folks who are showing up to the table and finding their place, the searching people, the people searching for Jesus, they instead want you to focus on them in the high chair. And the reality is they have been in church for years and years. And for some reason, they've never pushed away from the table. And they still want what they want when they want it. And the choices that they're making and the voices that we hear from them are screaming, this church is here for me. It's all about me. I want this church the way I want it, how I want it, and I want it that way right now. And even though they have been in church for years and years and years, when you look at them, they are not, they look all grown up, but they don't act all grown up. When you look at them, they're actually not mature as far as their faith goes. Even though they have been in a chair listening to the very same things that we have been teaching for years and years and years, along with everyone else, they have chosen to remain here. You see, spiritual maturity is not an age, and spiritual maturity is not a length of time that you have known Jesus. That is not equal maturity. Instead, spiritual maturity is consistent growth in our attitudes and our behaviors as we daily and weekly take steps with Jesus. That is where spiritual maturity comes from. You see, a church can so easily become all about the insiders and forget that the church is a table where people, all kinds of people come to be spiritually fed, right? We're talking about those searching people. But the church can become selfish because we are, myself included, naturally selfish people. Now, God has a way, though, to keep the church from being natural, from being selfish. Let me give you some context of where we're headed in God's Word. After Jesus died on the cross, and then three days later, He rose again, He walked out of the tomb. His heart was beating again. Blood was throwing, flowing through His body again. He was alive. He was not a ghost was not a spirit. He was alive. He walked out of the tomb. 
So after he walked out of the tomb, then he spent some more time with his disciples and uh, at different moments and different occasions. This one particular time, though, uh, the disciples were really struggling, and they had not seen Jesus in a while. They're, they were, you know, they, their leader, you know, that's their leader. If he was out of sight, in some cases, he was out of mind, and they were struggling. And so they decide, we're going to go fishing. Let's just go fishing. There's about six of them, I think, gathered together at this moment. And they go fishing, and they fish all night long, all night, and they catch nothing, not a thing, zero. And some man shouts from the shore. They don't know who it is. He shouts, have you caught anything? And they're like, no, we haven't, as a matter of fact. And he shouts from the shore, drop your nets on the other side. And they're like, oh, you idiot. Like we wouldn't have thought of that. We've been fishing over here and over there. We've been fishing all over the place. But oh, okay, okay, you jerk. We're going to do it. They dropped the nets on the other side. And the nets were loaded. I mean loaded to the max. They were beginning to tear. They were beginning to break. Now, here's what happened. Peter so astute, he immediately begins to put some things together. Wait a minute. That's exactly what Jesus used to do to us. That's Jesus. And so Peter stands up in the boat. He strips down to whatever he wanted to strip down to to swim. He strips down. He jumps in the water, and he immediately begins to swim to shore. Peter was first in. Peter was usually first at so many things, and here he was again, first in. And you know what he did, though? He left the others to finish the work. I mean, they were pulling in the nets. They were pulling in those nets, trying, not to, trying to salvage them and to get the fish. So Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore, leaves them to do all the work. And in the meantime, yes, it is Jesus who is on the shore, who is having some fun with the guys. And Jesus is there and he's cooking breakfast for these guys. Jesus cooking breakfast. And, and he didn't just stop there. Jesus really is, he, he's serving it up. All right? Peter, you need a straw with that? You, you good? You got your cola? Good. Want some milk, juice? Good. You good? He's serving them breakfast that he cooked. I find that so cool. So here's where we pick it up. So Jesus and Peter now are going to have this conversation in front of everybody. And I think what's getting ready to happen, so Peter sits down at this makeshift table. Jesus invited him into the table. Peter takes his place. Peter happened to be first. But now Jesus is getting ready to do something here. He's getting ready to ask Peter, so I'm giving you a heads up where this is going. He's getting ready to ask Peter to push away from the table and to get up. To push away from the table and to stand up. Here's how, here's how it goes down. Jesus asked Peter, he was like, Peter, he was like, Peter, do you love me? You know, do you love me more than these other guys love me? Do you love me more? And Peter's like, well, I sure do, Jesus. You know I do, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, more than those other guys, I sure do. I love you. 
And then Jesus said, okay, then feed my lambs. And immediately, Jesus asked him a second time. He said, do you love me? Um, yes. Short-term memory, fellas. Yeah. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. And here's where we pick it up. Cam's going to have it on the screen for us. John chapter 21, verse 17. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time, the Bible says Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the same question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. That was intense for them. I don't know, perhaps Jesus was saying, Peter, it is time for you to stop showing up at the table and sitting down. Peter, it is time for you to stop showing up first to breakfast. Jesus maybe was saying, perhaps to Peter, it is time, Peter, for you to stop being served. Peter, push back from the table and stand up and get up. And now, together with all these others who are following Jesus, go and serve the searching who are coming to the table. Peter, stand up and let someone who is searching have your seat at the table. And now you, you, Peter, serve them. Just perhaps that's what Jesus was saying. Just maybe. Is it possible that we have churches today in America who are filled with people sitting and they're already full? who have been there a long, long time, still sitting at the table, or maybe even some in the high chairs, but all of them still sitting, waiting to be served. Is it possible that we have churches in America full of people who have been sitting at the table, refusing to push away from the table, refusing to stand up, refusing to serve. You know, if somebody comes week after week after week and they refuse to push away from the table and stand up and they refuse to begin serving, honestly, they're never going to be really happy at Stuttgart Harvest Church. Because we're not going to keep serving grown-ups in a high chair. That's just not who we are. We're not going to continue to serve someone who's already stuffed full. No, 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 no. We are going to be busy 
looking for those folks who need to sit down at the table who are spiritually starving. And you know, before people even sit down at the table, there's a lot of work that's done. A lot of preparations that are made. A lot of things take place before that person ever comes to sit down at the table, that searching person. And we work really hard on our ministry teams as ministry partners, as people who are serving, some of those even during the week so that we can get ready to serve that person who's searching for Jesus. And then, then when they show up, we work together to serve and feed the spiritually hungry. And if you're a Christ follower then we invite you to stand up with us. We invite you to offer your place at the table to someone that you've invited that really needs it, that's spiritually hungry. And we invite you to stand up beside us and to begin serving and not being served. It's part of God's plan to keep the church from becoming inward focused. Along the way, we develop table manners. We talked about some of those last week, some of the things we do and don't talk about, right? When someone comes to the table. We develop table manners as we grow and as we follow Jesus. These manners kind of become actions and then they become habits. And here's what we say at Stuttgart Harvest Church. We say, this is not about me. This church is not about me. That's just as we learn table manners. You know, Jesus traveled as he was in his ministry. This is before he died. He traveled through cities and a lot of times small towns and went from town to town. And he helped many people. He loved them all. He was serving them. And at this one particular moment, he felt great sadness. Great sadness. Because he was looking at some people who had some great problems. And they were hurting. And, and it was described as Jesus saw it that they did not know where to go for help. And in today's description we could say it was almost like Jesus was looking at a pet who could not find its owner. And this scenario moved Jesus, and his heart was broken. The Bible describes it as, uh, Jesus describes it as they were sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus leans over, and he, and he says something to his disciples where they could hear him. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, here's what he said. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great but the workers are few. Jesus. Now we're talking about not just a man, not just a teacher. We're talking about God in the flesh. And he looks around and describes the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now listen, if we think that finding and encouraging people to serve is difficult, listen, Jesus, God himself, 
was looking around him saying, there's not enough. There's not enough serving. There's not enough. Not enough people are pushing away from the table and standing up to serve those people who are searching for him. There's not enough. And if Jesus noticed the problem around him, then how much more is the problem today? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. You see, we all have a natural tendency to sit down at the table and to think about ourselves. We all have a natural tendency to turn inward and to save things for ourselves. But listen, this church is not about me. This church is not about us. I should not be in a high chair clamoring and hollering and screaming for the church to meet my needs. I shouldn't be. Real maturity is doing. Real maturity is serving. Building believers who will serve seekers. Because it's not about me. You know, there's a cycle to serving. There's an appropriate time for every one of us to sit down at the table. There is, and some of you may be in that appropriate time right now. There's an appropriate time for us to sit down and to be served. But we should not stay there. We get served and then we become a servant. You know why? Because it's no longer about me. Sometimes we think, Harley, listen, I know there's a lot to do. I mean, I I would. I I would begin serving. I I recognize there's a lot to do. But Harley, I've got challenges. Uh, Harley, I've got problems. And in fact, I'm not good at this. I've got too much going on. I'm not good at it. I don't know how to do it. I've got too many problems. You know, I think, I think we have an answer for that. See, a lot of times we feel like that we have to get life sorted out and all together before we can begin to serve. A lot of times we think, well, I, I, I've, I've, I've got to get better first. I've got to fix those things that are broken I've got to get better first, and then, then Harley, then I will serve. Once I get things more together and my life more in order and things right, then, right now, I need to focus on me. Then, then I'll serve. But that's not God's plan. Here's another table manner that we learn. We don't wait to get better and then serve. We serve to get better. Serving is part of the getting better process. And here's our bottom line today. It says this, serving is proof that it's not about me. Serving is proof that it's not 
about me. Now, we have several next steps today, and I just want to run through these. Here's the first one. This next step is for all of us. This first next step is for all of us, and it's about serving here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. And here's the challenge. We challenge you to be a part of strategic service, strategic serving, serving uh, that all those people that God sends us. And strategic serving doesn't say, okay, let me see what's available. I don't want to do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. Here's something I'll try. That's not strategic service. Here's what strategic service is. It says, I'll do whatever is needed most. Let me give you a for instance. For instance, about three weeks ago, we had to close one of our rooms in the kids' area. You know why? We didn't have enough ministry partners for the day. So we had to close that room and send the kids with their parents. Strategic service says, where do you need me? Coach, put me in. And because we didn't have ministry partners for that room, we closed it. Now let me just give you a challenge. If you're a parent or a grandparent, or maybe you have had a child at one point in the 252 or the First Look area, then I would encourage you to allow that to be one of your strategic serving places. And we're just talking about once a month on a Sunday. Not even both worship experience. One worship experience once a month. And that's just one example. But no matter where the strategic need is, if somebody is a Christ follower and they never plan on serving, they will never truly be happy at this church. Because we don't allow high chairs for people who should be grown up. In fact, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, most of us serve on a couple of teams, don't we? Most of us do. Today, if you want some information about serving, I encourage you to do two things. One is to mark it on your connection card. The second thing, as you leave today at the end of the hall, we have a banner hanging from the ceiling, and it says serving. It's very similar to this banner over here, but it has more information on it. And I'm going to have a friend there. Rick's going to be there, and he's got a, a survey for you. If you would take that, and you could just fill it out and bring it back to us at some point that just says, hey, I'll get you some information so you can maybe help find a strategic place for me to serve. I would challenge you to do that. At the very least, do that. Now, here's the second step. The first step is for everybody. This second step is just for some of us. And this second step says this, that yes, I'll find me a place to serve here, but then, additionally, I will serve one time a month as we start the church in Malvern. And you know what? About 50 of, 50 of us have said, I'll do that. But we've got room for another 10 to 20 people who want to say, I'll do that too. I'll do that too. Just one time a month, one, one time once we begin that, and it's looking like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And here's how you sign up to do that. If you will simply, on the back of your connection card, write the word Malvern. Just write down Malvern. And we will make sure we add you to that team. We're not going to tell you which Sunday. We're going to see if there's one that works best for you. And we're going to get people come first week, second week, third week, fourth week. 
and then we'll rotate and kind of share once during that uh, year, we'll share a fifth Sunday, which means you will simply, out of the entire full, complete year, I'm about to fall off this stool, <laughs> you, I get so excited about Malvern, out of that full year, you will only serve 13 times, but you will be a big, big part of seeing a lot of lives come to the table. 13 times. Now, here's one more. And again, this one is for all of us. My question now shifts. Here's the question. Who are you serving? Because we're not just talking about strategic service. Not just talking about serving strategically, but now we're talking about strategic inviting. Because when we serve people outside of this building then we earn the right to invite. So not only are we going to serve people here who are coming to the table, but we're going to serve them before they ever get to the table. We're going to serve them all the way to the table and then serve them at the table. We're going to invest in the lives around us and we're going to do that by serving them. We're going to go love them. We're going to serve them at work, and you're going to serve them at school, and you're going to serve them in your family and in your neighborhood. When you see somebody at Walmart, you're going to find a way to serve them. When there's somebody inside of your home that's not yet connected to Jesus, you're going to find a way to serve them. Inside of our friendship circles, wherever we are, we're going to find a way to serve them, find a way to love those people so that we can earn the right to invite them to our table. It's not a build it and they will come. No, that's not how church works. Serve them and they will come. So here's my challenge. On your phone, would you make a text to yourself? Don't send it. Just leave it in draft mode. Will you make a text to yourself and begin adding the names of 10 people? And I'm going to ask you this. Take time for 10. Will you write down the names of 10 people? And you may only have one right now, but keep that text open and keep adding names to it. And you may not know their name yet. It may just be lady who checked me out at Walmart. It may be. But will you take time for 10 and continue adding names to that list until you have 10? And then will you keep looking week after week after week for ways to serve those 10 people? And we're talking about 10 folks who aren't active in church specifically. And I just some people say, well, what does active in church mean? Well, let me, let me kind of help you understand what it means to me. If somebody goes to church once a month, I'm going to say that's not active. That means they're in church 12 times a year. 12 times a year. Do you really think that's enough time for them to sell out and begin following Jesus? Probably not. So if they're in church once a month or less, then those are the people you need on your list to begin serving them. How? Well, you might just kind of start by 
saying, okay, maybe I can write them a note of encouragement, leave it on a sticky note, put it on their desk. Maybe I can send them a text of encouragement. Maybe I can give them a phone call of encouragement. Maybe I can pray for them, get their prayer request, write down those requests and remember to pray, and then let them know, hey, listen, I'm still praying about that. Maybe you're aware that they're under some life pressure. So maybe you and your family, you take them a meal just to take some pressure off of them. Maybe they're under pressure at work, and so maybe you just do something to help with that pressure. Maybe it's a snicker bar, or maybe they need a break, whatever candy bar that was in the 80s. Find something to do for them. You know, God is changing lives. And he's going to change more and more and more if you do and participate in what we're talking about. And we're looking for folks. We're looking for folks who will help us create the environments through serving that God will use to change people, to change families, and to change their eternity. And I'm praying very specifically that God is leading you to a serving team right now. Let's pray. Father, you even served me. You served me before I even knew what I needed. And God, you showed us how. And now you have asked me to join you in serving others. God, will you help us to look past our own wants and our own preferences, our own desires, and look to others? serving them as they discover you, Jesus. Help me to give up my seat where I have been served so that another one, someone who needs to be served, someone who's searching for you, Jesus, can have my place. And now I step towards you and toward them to show them love, your love, God, through serving. Help me remember that this isn't about me. It's about serving the world all the way to the cross where they can find completeness and they can begin to grow. And then they can one day join us as we serve together. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen.